Seven o'clock hour here on the WRSU crew. Chris Aconis along with Dylan Allen, Dylan McCoy, and Jack Desaia. And we have got another guest on our show today, second time tonight. Um, now we're going to go over to Rutgers men's soccer. Uh, head coach Jim McKeldry, who you know I get have the privilege of talking to after every game. Um, you know I'm also the beat writer for men's soccer for the Daily Targum, so um, get to talk to him a lot. And we get to have him on our show tonight. Um, so we're going to put him on now. Head coach Jim McKeldry here with Chris Aconis, Dylan Allen, Dylan McCoy, and Jack Basaya. Coach, thanks for spending a few minutes tonight. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Happy to have you. And coach, you know I got to ask you, you know. Coming off two wins on a Friday-Monday split, UPenn on Monday, your sack field, and going back to Friday, that statement win uh, upsetting number 11 Indiana on the road in Bloomington. Um, got you guys uh, ranked uh, in the top 25. Uh, what is that kind of stretch and the performance you've had so far, what does that say about what your team is capable of? Yeah, I think it's been a, it's been a good run so far with the guys. Uh, they're really bought into to what we're trying to – uh, kind of instruct them, but more so just attitude, competitiveness, uh, what they're bringing to practice every day. I'm really proud of the effort they're putting forth. Um, the results are kind of the, the what we're enjoying after we put in all that time and effort. Uh, sometimes they don't fall your way, but uh, the effort that they're putting in throughout the week, uh, I just think is, has really set the tone for our season. And We've been uh, fortunate to get the results and, and perform on, on game day. So I'm excited for them. I'm excited for where we can go in the future. We're still kind of in that first half of the season, so we've got a long way to go to, to reach some of our goals, but uh, you know, happy where we are at the moment. Coach, Nico, Nico Rosamilia, he's your program's leader in goals right now through eight matches. That's pretty impressive. Um, what has impressed you most about the true freshman Rosamilia in a short time on campus? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things Nico brings is that competitive spirit, not only just in the games, but in training. You know, I think uh, Nico's one of these guys that, um, you know, plays almost with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's always feeling like he's got a point to prove, puts in a, a real shift of work rate, uh, regardless of, you know, if he's scoring goals or helping set up goals, he does well on the defensive side. So I think for, for Nico, he has a, a huge upside in terms of his full potential. But right now, I think it's, He's putting in the work and the competitiveness that we need uh, on those attacking in those attacking areas, and and then in the last couple of games, he's really been rewarded with that effort by scoring a, a few goals here. So I'm happy uh, that he's getting rewarded for all that that effort and and kind of the spirit that he brings, um, not only on the attacking side but on the defensive side as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked about this a bunch of times, but last year was obviously unlike anything we've ever seen in college soccer. Season gets pushed back from starting in August to starting in late February. Uh, schedule shortened. You've only got a Big Ten schedule. You don't have the out-of-conference slate. And you've got to deal with all these COVID protocols and restrictions for your players and for your staff. And you're also playing in empty stadiums, and you know, you're not really playing in front of fans. So uh, I guess what was dealing with that entire ordeal like for you and your players, most of whom are back this year, and how did it help your team grow? You know, I think the fall uh, part was disappointing in that, you know, we get the, the news in, in August. I think it was the first day of preseason that we found out that our season wasn't going to be happening in the fall. But uh, Rutgers and the athletic department did an amazing job with the fall sports and, and all the sports, but especially for us being able to practice all fall. We didn't play any games, but being able to train helped a lot of our players grow, um, mature, get better every day. So that was a, a plus. 
not playing games is always a negative because you need that competitive, those competitive moments to really um, test yourself and, and ultimately improve. But I think being able to train, the school took care of us. Um, the guys enjoyed training because every, everything was shut down, as you guys know. So just being able to get out there and play every day and compete with each other and get better was, was a real plus. And, and you're right, it was very difficult not being able to play any preseason games uh, in that spring semester or any non-conference games. We just jumped right into it. And, and our staff and I, we talk about it all the time. Our first game was against Michigan State, and it was – a, a very surreal feeling to be playing a conference game so quickly. We were playing indoors. Um, but then eventually it, it turned out to be a season that uh, we took some good strides beating Maryland and, um, you know, beating some other teams that we hadn't beaten in a while. So um, that kind of helped us uh, lead into the summer, get the guys working even harder over the summer. And now I think we're kind of enjoying some, uh, some of those uh, fruits now that we, we put in all the effort in the, in that spring season and also in the summer. Coach, one of your abilities is to uh, recruit international players pretty regularly, and many of them are featured in the starting 11 right now. So with COVID and everything, how have you been able to adjust your approach to bringing those guys in with international travel being so heavily disrupted in the past couple of years? Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, you look at some of the players we have on our team with uh, Pablo Avila and, and Ula Malin, Oren Asher, Hugo Le Guenic are are four guys that um, you know have played a lot of games uh, for us, international students. Uh, but what it did do is, is we focused a lot of our recruiting the last year and a half on um, even more than we had on our local guys that we felt really comfortable with. So I think you see some of those players like Nico, you mentioned, uh, Joey Zielinski, Matty Acosta, and a, a couple of other guys that are fairly local players that we really concentrated on. We spent a lot of time getting to know them and their families. So it, uh, it did limit us a little bit on the international front, but at the, at the same time, uh, we feel it, it almost helped us uh, to kind of refocus on some of the, the top players in the area. And it also allowed those players to focus on us and being close to home, I think became even more attractive uh, during this pandemic period. And, and those guys have been great for us. And, and we're always recruiting the top players in New Jersey, but I think we even push that even more. So uh, it, we'll, we'll continue to have some international players on our team, but we also want to recruit the best players in our backyard because we feel there's a lot of great players in this state. Yeah, and I guess um, on that note, when I look at the makeup of this team, another thing that stands out is just how many of your guys have come from MLS academies, in particular the New York Red Bulls Academy. Um, someone who you know started coaching when that academy system was just in its infancy um, when you were at Fordham. How has that youth pipeline changed how you recruit, and how has it prepared those players to hit the ground running uh, at the college level? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think that youth soccer world is, is ever-changing, so it's not as if we've got a grip on it and we now know it inside and out. It's, it's constantly changing with, you know, the, the second teams of the MLS teams. Um, but it's an area that we want to continue to recruit, not only recruiting some of the academy players from all over the country, but we have some of the best right in, right in our area with Red Bull and Philly Union and NYCFC. And some of those players live in New Jersey, even though uh, they, they may play for the Philly Union or may play for NYCFC, uh, they live in, in our state. So, uh, that's one of the things we do a lot. Uh, it's not only just looking at these teams and finding players, but, hey, where are they from? Where do they live? Are they New Jersey guys? Um, are they excited about maybe coming and playing for the state university? So, you know, we do use that. But these players um, are in good environments, especially some of the players on our team. If you look at uh, we have, I think, 
you know, two Red Bull players and a Philly Union player who spent time with their uh, second team, the pro teams, uh, Philadelphia Union 2, Colts Spitak did a preseason with them. And then you look at uh, Joey and Matty uh, played in, in, in matches with Red Bull 2. It certainly helped their transition. They played with older players um, already before coming here. So it definitely helps their transition. Um, they know how to train. They understand the rigors of playing against older players. You can't just rely on your athleticism. Those are um, places that we're going to continue to recruit. We have great relationships with those clubs, and, and we'll, we'll keep uh, reminding them, uh, you know, kind of what a great place Rutgers is, not only educationally for, for those guys, but also the facilities we have now um, compare with anybody in the country. So if you have people that really want to improve and work on their game, um, this could be the place for them. Coach, through your first eight games of the year, you've had eight different players find the back of the net and score. How does that how does that ability to get a goal with so many players boost what you can do in the attacking third? You know, it's something we've talked about from from day one in that we, we never really thought we were going to have one player on our team uh, this year score 15 goals. I just don't think that's the, the makeup of our group. But we always felt we had a bunch of guys that could score goals. And I think for us to be successful – uh, we have to have different players chipping in with goals. We may have nobody that scores 10 goals, but we might have a bunch of guys with four or five or six. I think that makes us more difficult to play against. Um, we also don't you know, fall apart if we have one guy uh, injured in a match where everything's built around him. We have multiple uh, players that can come in and, and make a difference, and I think it's a huge uh, strength of our of our team, and it's something that we want to continue. I think it's a... You know, when you look at college soccer, there's a lot of games in a fairly short period of time, uh, teams that can um, play a good style but also have multiple players that can play are the ones that I think are going to have the best chance to be successful over the whole entire season. Especially in the early part of the season, and uh, you've talked about it in post-game interviews a few times, uh, schedule's really congested with several Friday-Monday splits where you just have two days of rest where you have to go out and play another game. So how does navigating that fixture congestion impact how you rotate the squad and how you approach those games tactically? Yeah, I, I think we it, very much so in, in how we're trying to rotate players and making sure that we're not pushing players so much to the limit that they can play 90 minutes in one game, but then they're injured for three weeks. Uh, that's the, something we talk about. We look at, we have a strength coach that works with our program and the women's program. Um, we have a lot of technology with GPS and heart rate monitors and all these things that can help us keep these players healthy and safe. We try not to have it affect our tactics as much as we want it to. We really, it's more about lineup. Can we make sure that we're not overusing a player? We have other guys that can come on and, and make a difference. So, hey, can we still play more or less uh, the style we want to play uh, it's just which players are going to be playing. That's the big decisions for us. And you look at the schedule, it does get congested, but that's just college soccer. And, you know, you look at this past week, it's a perfect example. We play away to Indiana on a Friday. We play a non-conference game on Monday, and then we're back playing conference again on Friday. So we have less rest for the non-conference game. Not that we don't take it seriously, but maybe we just have a day less of preparation, um, and it's more about how we play and who plays. And then we have an extra day when in between the non-conference game and the uh, the conference game on the Friday. Coach, I want to ask you about Oren Asher, uh, someone who arrived at Rutgers around the same time you did back in 2019. Uh, is in his third season now as your starting goalkeeper. Uh, so far in the season, five shutouts and a .49 goals against average. 
Um, how has he grown as a goalkeeper this offseason, and what makes him such an asset to your program? Yeah, you know, he's really um, he's done a great job for us, first and foremost, just simply of, of doing his job and keeping the ball out of the goal. I, I actually had somebody say to me the other day if he got if he got a lot taller over the last couple of years because they feel he's gotten so much better, and uh, and that's not the case. He's the same size as he was when he got here, but uh, Oren trains incredibly hard, takes care of himself. Um, uh, he's he's not six foot five, but he's strong and super athletic. Uh, so his um, you know not being the biggest keeper in the world does not really affect him because he does work on his athleticism all the time. But I think where he's improved the most over the last couple of years. It's just his maturity. Uh, he's become a, a, a kind of a quiet leader on our team. Um, he prepares well. Uh, he leads by example. So I think he's somebody that um, was always a good athlete and always a good shot stopper, but he's he's improved his, uh, his kicking since he's been here. He's worked on it very hard to be even more accurate than he was. And I also just think um, his mentality has, has just gotten better and stronger over the last couple of years. And, and it is such a mental position. So I think it's something that our, our players understand how good he is. He's, he's really had some special moments for us already during his career. So, you know, we do rely on him, and uh, we're lucky to have him. Yeah, Coach. Um, obviously the huge win against Indiana to start the season. Um, you know, how do you continue this into Big Ten play? Like, how do you continue this momentum, you know, undefeated to start the year? How do you continue that as you go into face tough for opponents? You know, it, it is kind of a, a cliche, but you really have to move on from game to game. Um, you know, I think our players have done a pretty good job with that so far this season. We've had a couple of really tight emotional games and being able to move on and start preparing for the next one. And, and that's one of the things that I think you need to be a successful team. Um, I was really proud of our group having an emotional win on the road at Indiana, you know, flying home the next day, not being able to really practice uh, because of travel having a light practice the next day on the Sunday. And then you're playing again on Monday against a, a good UPenn team. And I thought our mentality was good. You know, we didn't play perfectly uh, by any stretch, but the mentality was there. The effort was there. The concentration was there. So I was really happy with that. Um, but really it is, hey, how do we get over that game? Uh, the UPenn game, rest, recover, and start preparing for Wisconsin. They do some things very well. They've had some good results over the last couple of weeks. I think they're 3-0-1 in their last four games. So we really just have to worry about that game, do as well as we possibly can. And the minute that game ends, you know, rest, recover, and uh, look forward to the next game. But our conference is very difficult, different challenges in every game. But uh, it's one of the reasons players want to come here is because you want to play in the Big Ten. You want to get tested. um, You want to play with the best players and against the best players. So you've got to embrace it, enjoy it, and – you know, just try to prepare as best you can and then let the players really get after it on, on game day. Coach, I guess to wrap this up, you know, we, we I mean, not that I have to tell you, but New Jersey is obviously a hotbed of soccer talent, has been for a long time. And, um, you know, um, a couple of reporters have tweeted about it recently, but both Rutgers and Seton Hall, the programs are doing very well. Uh, they're playing good soccer. Um, I, I guess I want to get your thoughts on, you know, is there any interest in potentially scheduling a Rutgers-Seton Hall matchup, be it a home-and-home, neutral site, whatever the case may be? Uh, is there any interest in going to potentially set that up going forward? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think I said this to someone um, recently, as, as I know their coach, uh, Andreas Lindbergh, very well. Uh, he was uh, a coach in New York for a, a long time, so um, I've known Dre for uh, probably 20 years. So, 
yeah, it's something we've talked about. Um, you know, we'll 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 figure out how to game get a game on the schedule. We've actually talked about, hey, could we do something at a Red Bull Arena, make it a special day for our alums? Um, you know, playing Princeton this year, getting them back on the schedule. We played away at Princeton this year. We had a great crowd down there, both uh, for both teams. It was a really good uh, environment. Our players enjoyed playing in it. So I think it's similar with the Seton Hall. Can we find the right moment to do it? Can we find the right venue to do it? And and make it try to make it a special thing for for us. And and as you said, uh, New Jersey soccer is is really good right now and and has been in the past. So we want to kind of continue to kind of build that up and and keep the momentum going for for not just Rutgers soccer but just in college soccer in our state. And I think trying to keep a lot of these good players home and and realizing they have some great great options right in their backyard is is something that we all want. So uh, yeah, it's something that we've talked about and we'll, we'll try to get that on the schedule in the future. All right, Coach, I know you're busy prepping uh, for Wisconsin on Friday, so we're going to let you go. But we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your evening to hop on the crew with us and uh, talk some Rutgers men's soccer. And uh, we'll see you out there on Friday. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Take care. See you soon.